saying all week that I'm thankful for is that I'm thankful for the opportunity to do life with such a great group of people. Amen. Pastor and I were talking and um, you may not realize this, but but we do because uh, we have the opportunity to talk to a lot of pastors a lot. Uh, and some of those pastors have churches that are as small as ours or even smaller. And we have uh, pastors that we talk to have churches of, you know, 4,500 to, you know, 7,500 people in them. Um, and, and it doesn't matter whether we're talking to pastors who have a small church or pastors of a big church. Uh, they don't seem to have the same excitement about the people they serve with as we do. Amen. Uh, and so I want to thank y'all for not being a headache. Can, can, can I say that? Amen. I, I, I want to <laughs> thank you for, for not making the job of pastoring tedious and hard. And, and, and you know, I don't, I don't have days that I want to quit and give up and, and not come see y'all no more. I don't have those days. And when we talk to other pastors, sometimes they, they literally, uh, if their livelihood didn't depend on it, they wouldn't keep doing what they did. But I thank God that our livelihood don't depend on it, and we keep doing it. Amen? And so I thank, I thank God for you. I'm, I'm thankful for each and every one of you. I'm going to ask you, if you would, to stand for just a moment. We're going to make a confession, and then we're going to get into our teaching. If you have your Bible or your cell phone or your tablet or whatever you use to um, indoctrinate yourself in the word of God, I'm going to ask that you would hold that up uh, right now and, and make this confession with me. Say, this is my Bible. Say, I am what it says I am. And I can do what it says I can do. Say, by faith. I believe, I believe that I will have, I will have exactly, exactly what it says I will have. It say, I am a believer. Say, I'm not a doubter. Say, I am a doer and not just a hearer. Say, in my life, is the better after having heard the word of God. Say, now faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing by the word of God. Say, I thank you, Heavenly Father, that my mind is alert and my heart is receptive to receive the life-changing word of God. Amen, 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 amen. I used to say this all the time before I talk. You may be seated. I used to say this all the time. Uh, <laughs> praise God. Some of y'all, y'all, y'all like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I used to say this all the time. I feel I'm anointed to teach you this morning. And, and, and if you are anointed to receive it, I believe there will be a meeting of the minds. And so this morning, I want to talk to you um, just a little bit as we get ready to go into 2017. Can you believe that? 2017. We are close to going into 2017. Uh, this is the last Sunday in the month of November. Uh, we have, what, four Sundays in the month of December. And then uh, January the 1st is a Sunday, and that will be 2017. And how many of you know we've had a lot of things that we have talked about in 2016? We've had a lot of things we've pushed to you across the pulpit, trying to get you into a place of living a better life uh, in this year, but especially preparing you for next year. And so um, one of the things I was going to talk about was this issue of integrity. Uh, and as I was preparing my message, and I'm, I'm, I may teach it next week, um, it's a pretty good message. Um, 
<laughs> I might teach you next week. Uh, but this week, I really want to talk to us about how do we get ready? How do we, how do we make God-centered plans for 2017? How do we make God-centered plans? Because let me tell you something. Many times people think that thinking about a plan is the same thing as making a plan. But thinking about a plan is not the same thing as actually making the plan. And then even making the plan is not the same thing as taking active steps to do the things necessary to cause the plan to come to fruition. Amen. And so this morning, I just want to talk to you just just real quickly about making Christ centered plans. Make this confession. Say, I declare, I declare that my 2017, my 2017 will, be will be the best year, the best year of, my life. of my life. Oh, you ought to give God some praise for that already this morning. Amen. I know 2016 has been really good for a lot of us and praise God for us, but I'm telling you, it doesn't matter who the president is. It doesn't matter who's in Congress. It doesn't matter who's in the House of Representatives. God sits on the throne and we have the ability to continue to live an exceeding, abundantly above, blessed, supernatural life. Amen. And you've got to get that in your heart and get that in your mind. Don't allow the media to scare you. Don't allow the media to, media to tell you how bad it's going to be. You know, it's funny because if you ask half of America, they think what just happened is going to make America great again. You ask another half, they think America's going to be horrible. But here's what I know about God. He never changes. Amen. He never changes. He was good before the election. He's going to be good after the election. He's going to be good whoever is in, whoever is president after the next election. God does not change. What has to happen is we have to get it into our mind that you and I operate on a different frequency than everybody else. Now, a lot of people don't like when we start talking like that because, oh, you think you're better. No, no, no. We don't think we're better, but we know who our God is. And, and, and the reality of it is, is that those Hebrew slaves didn't think they were any better than those Romans who had them in or the Egyptians who had them in captivity. But the fact of the matter is they knew who their God was. And when you know who your God is, there is nothing in this world that can hold you back. Amen. Amen. And so the month of December. Uh, which we're going to be going into really soon here, it really should be a time of reflection for all of us. You know, we started off this year and we made some challenges. We told you that we wanted you to, number one, we wanted everybody to get diligent about saving money. Amen? Yeah. Now, I ain't asking you how much, but how many of you did better this year than you did the previous year? Amen? Amen. And I, and I think that's important to note because one of the things I'm going to talk about later is that sometimes we are so hard on ourselves because we don't meet a goal. But the question becomes, are you better off than you were? Because sometimes the whole purpose of a goal is to get you further than where you would have been if you didn't have a goal. And so I, pray, I praise God for each and every one of you who saved money this year. That's good. Now, what you say is if you didn't save as much as you wanted to, as long as you're alive, you can do better next year. Amen. And so in the month of December, we want to spend some time taking stock of what we've done. Amen. We want to we want to make sure that we ponder the plans and the goals that we have set for ourselves. We want to make sure that we are setting ourselves up for success. How many of you know that if you don't make a plan to succeed, in essence, you've made a plan to fail? And that's just the reality. Any of you ever thought about going on a diet? You thought about it? But you didn't lose no weight because you thought about it? You, you had this great plan? And, and listen, some of us, we ain't, we ain't going to tell nobody, don't look at your neighbor because they may have done it. Some of you even stayed up late at night and ordered one of them diet plans from television. 
Or you ordered one of them workout plans because you saw on television how awesome it was when they was working out and they was doing all those things and they had all of these attachments you could do at your home. And how many know that just because you bought it and just because UPS delivered it and just because you took it out the box and used it one time, that didn't work for you long term? Amen. I think we got two sets of, of, of P90X at the house. We got 180X and we haven't done any of them. Just cause you buy them <laughs> don't mean <laughs> that they're gonna do anything for you, amen? Amen. So here's the question that we should be asking ourselves. How well did I do this year? Your question should be, did I succeed in the things that I set out to do? Or did I find myself coming up short? The reality is that sometimes those are tough questions to have, but they're the only questions you can ask yourself if you're going to make progress. If you don't face the difficult questions in your life, or if you give yourself room to have many, many excuses, you will end up in the same place year after year after year after year. We used to say that all the time, that excuses are monuments of nothingness. They build bridges that lead to nowhere, and those who choose to use those tools of incompetence become masters of nothingness. In the year of 2017, I'm encouraging you, don't allow yourself to give yourself excuses. Amen. Don't allow yourself to give yourself excuses. Push yourself to make sure. Decide right now. Don't wait to, to January 1st. Decide right now that you're not going to allow yourself to give yourself excuses. That if you come up short, you will face the reality of why you came up short. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that you're a failure. It just means you need to regroup. Amen. And so as a church, as we as as we head into uh, this next year, one of the things that we were talking about is that we had asked everybody uh, to, 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 to commit to being a tither and to commit to saving 10 percent. And while we don't have 100 percent participation, probably in either of those areas, what I can tell you is that we've had enough people make that commitment that we are really close to our goal of being able to save over fifty thousand dollars in a year for a church this size. Listen, how does that happen? Little by little, little by little. It's the same way your savings will increase. It may not look much like, like much because it's 20 bucks a week, but little by little, little by little. Most of us, almost all of us could probably think of some area literally that we just blow 20 bucks a week. I mean, I mean, and, and, I'm, and, and you know, Pastor and I, we don't believe in this whole idea of cutting back everything. And, and now you shopping at the thrift stores and, and because because you have to. And, and, and now you don't drink nothing but water because you you're afraid to spend a dollar on a coat. We, we're not talking about that. But I am saying that you ought to respect yourself enough to say, I'm going to pay myself twenty dollars a week. I'm going to pay myself $10 a week. I'm going to pay myself $5 a week. And you'll be surprised at the, at, at the growth that you will have when you make that kind of commitment. That's how it is with the Lord. Mm -hmm. Come on. Wow. See, sometimes we come to church and we go, oh, I need to give my whole life to God. I need to stop doing everything I've ever done. God is looking. To, how, how consistent can you be? Because right. God's not looking at you saying, oh, you didn't give it to me. Oh, forget about you. He's saying, how consistent can you be? At the end of 2016, is your marriage better? Is your finances better? Are you, are you reacting better with your kids? Or are you still the same old person from January 1 of 2016 into November 27, 2016, and you're still acting the same way? If you're still acting the same way, nothing has happened. But at least if you ain't cussing them out every day. 
<laughs> little by little. Maybe if you ain't going off on your spouse every day. Maybe if you ain't spending all of your money every month. Little by little, it gets better. And watch this. Success breeds success. You, you, you become dedicated and, and you watch this. If you will begin to save money and you'll start paying yourself every week, I don't care if it's nothing but a dollar. If you'll start paying yourself every single week and putting it back, you do it for seven straight weeks, it'll become a habit. Yeah. It'll become a habit. And what becomes habit for you is what you begin to do naturally. That's why some of us naturally do things we shouldn't because they become habits for us. Amen. Well, the opposite of that is true. So this so from now until the end of this year, let's begin to ask ourselves those difficult questions. The great thing about a new year is that it offers us the chance to wipe the slate clean. It gives us an opportunity to start over. Amen. It is a time to set new goals and to make plans as to how you will meet those goals. It's not enough just to write down a goal. I laugh because every year, you know how many gym memberships get sold in December and January? Listen, so much so that if they can lock you into a contract, they don't care if you don't ever come back. They just want to lock you in because everybody got a New Year's resolution to lose. Your New Year's resolution ought to be that you're not making no more New Year's resolutions. <laughs> that you're going to make lifestyle changes. And if you're in a lifestyle change, you ain't gonna, you, you're not going to be committed to it. Because a resolution is just, it's, it's, sometimes it's for, for many people, it's this idea that I want to do better, but there's no commitment to it. it uh, one of the words I used to say all the time is there's no sweat equity. You got to put sweat equity behind your plans, behind your goals. It can't be something that you just write down. Yes, you need to write it down. Yes, it needs to come from here to paper. But at some point, you got to begin to put some equity behind that. Amen? Amen. As every day in the Lord should be, the new year is a day of new beginnings. My question to you today is what kind of goals and plans will you make now as you seek to live a greater life in 2017? What kind of things are you going to make a commitment to do? We've heard so many messages this year. We've heard messages about growing, growing in maturity. We've heard messages uh, about not being ashamed of the promises that God has made for you. We've had Searcher who's taught on, on five different, four or five different times about finances and the things that you can do to, to, to build your credit score up and to begin to save money. We, I mean, we, we've talked about so many things. But if all of those things are just things that go over your head, they don't do anything to shape your life. If they just if, if they're just things that you've you, you, you've you've heard, but but you've never put any action to them, they won't have the ability to actually change your life. I want us to look at a scripture. Second Corinthians three and 18. Second Corinthians three and 18. Make this confession. Say, I declare, I declare that my vision, my vision and my plans, my plans for 2017, 2017 will be strategic, will be strategic and, have and have action to them. Amen. Amen. Second Corinthians three and 18. It says, now watch this. It says, but we all with unveiled face beholding as a mirror in the glory of the Lord. You and I are being transformed into the same image. Watch this from glory to glory, just as by the spirit of the Lord. And when you read this scripture, this scripture shows us that we should be continually growing in the Lord. But when you continually grow in the Lord, it affects other areas. Yes. If you're continually growing in the word, it affects how you how you function at work. 
It affects how you function at school. It affects how you function with your children, with your spouse, with your money, with your time, with your emotions. When you're growing in the Lord, it affects everything in your life. And the Bible says we should be growing from what? Glory to glory. In other words, from one accomplished goal to another accomplished goal. Listen, you have sometimes people say things like, man, I'm just so tired. I'm just worn out. Listen, you have not exhausted all that God has for you. If you are tired, it's because you are not listening to the Holy Spirit and doing it the way he told you to do it. Now, people can say, well, no, Pastor, I just work hard. Working hard doesn't mean working smart. And, And there are times that the Holy Spirit will tell you to sit down and rest. I can't tell you the number of times that I've had something I needed to get done on my job and the Holy Spirit has told me to sit down and rest, told me to close my computer, told me to stop worrying about it. And in the midst of me doing something else, washing clothes, he gives me the answer to what I need to do. It was a couple of weeks ago. We were, uh, we, we, we were at Denny's. We had went to Denny's to eat, and I, and I didn't really want to go because I had some stuff I had to get done, but I knew I needed to eat. And Pastor Sean, when, I, when I'm working from home, she makes me eat because if I don't, I won't eat. And she was like, we need to go eat. So we went to Denny's to eat. Now, I'm sitting there thinking the whole time, I need to be working on this project. I got to get this stuff done. In the midst of me forgetting about the project and engaging with her, I then end up getting this revelation from God about something I need to do. And I said to her, God just told me how to do this. She said, see, I told you you should have and sometimes you just need to be able to listen to the Holy Spirit or the Holy Wife. Amen. You just, you just need to be able. So that, right, and all the wives said, "Amen." So. So we want to grow in the things of God because when we grow in the things of God, it causes other areas of our life to grow. Here are the questions you should be asking yourself. Has your relationship with Jesus Christ deepened in this year? Are you still committing the same old sins that you were committing in January? Has your marriage grown? (laughs) Has your marriage grown from one stage of glory to another in the past year? Have you spent the time and effort to make sure that you are undergirding your relationship? And, and it's so important, especially with people who have smaller children. The best advice we ever got was from a married couple who had older children. They said, look, I know you're going to spend a lot of time taking care of your kids, but no matter how much your kids love you, they're going to grow up and leave you. That was the best advice. They should. <laughs> that was the, that they should. They should. Your 40-year-old should still not be living at home with you. Amen. Amen. But it was the best advice because what they were saying to us is, listen, it doesn't matter what is going on in your relationship. If you don't keep the thing that got you together working, at some point, your kids, as much as they love you, they're going to find somebody else to fall in love with. They're going to find something else that's important to them. They're going to go off to college. They're going to get jobs. They may move away. They may get married. They're going to have their own set of kids. And that's the reason why you see people who have been married for 25 and 30 years. And as soon as that last kid get out the house, they signing them papers we've actually talked to some people who said listen I can't wait I got seven years for my last kid get grown and then I'm out now now that sounds crazy to us but listen what they're saying is I've given up on this thing I'm not putting any more effort any more work into it I'm simply staying here so my kids can have another another parental unit in the house 
And if we're not careful, we may not do it with our marriage, but we'll do it where our finances are concerned. We'll do it where our health is concerned. We'll do it where something else is concerned, where our career is concerned. And so you got to be asking yourself, have I made, uh, uh, have I done anything different this year? Have I made any real difference? Because if I haven't made any real difference, then I've got to, I got to, I got to change something, even if it means changing it right now. Amen. How many, tell your neighbor, say it's never too late. It's never too late. Here are some questions you ought to be asking yourself. Has your personal and family finances grown? We've been talking about finances for a year. A, a, a full year we've been talking about finances. Have your finances grown? Now understand, people face all kind of obstacles. People get laid off, people work less hours, people change jobs, things happen. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about are you still living based on the same habits you were living on in January? If, if, if you didn't have money to shop in January, but you're still thinking about all the stuff you're gonna get for this Christmas. No, listen, tell your, tell, tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, neighbor there, is life there is life after Christmas. <laughs> Do not make financial decisions for Christmas that's going to tear up your whole 2017. <laughs> Just don't do it. Listen, and if you need proof, ask your kids, no matter how old they are, what you got them five years ago. I don't know. They, 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 don't, they don't know what you got them five years ago. They don't, they don't know. They don't, they don't have a clue. And the fact of the matter is most of the kids, especially if they're, if they're in their teen years, the things that they want for Christmas change so fast, even if you did, even if you got up this year, by, by May of 2017, it's going to be something new out. I ain't, I ain't, I ain't saying, the kids like, yo, pass the whole love. Listen, I, I'm not saying don't get your kids done for Christmas. That's, that's, you know, the kids, are, the kids are chasing me down if they thought I was saying that. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is don't jeopardize your, your financial health in order to do that. Don't, 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 don't jeopardize your, 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 your financial health. Here's another question. Has your involvement and commitment to this church grown? Ooh. <laughs> No, do, do you still show up at 10.15 and do you still leave as soon as it's over? Have you volunteered for Children's Church? Have you greeted? Have you helped set up a chair? Have you offered to buy a snack? Mm. <laughs> You have to ask yourself, if you say this is your church, you have to ask yourself, where does my commitment show up? Or am I so self-centered that I always come looking for what I can get and never what I can give back? And if that's the case, I can change right now. I ain't even got to wait for 2017. I, I can sign up for something right now. <laughs> Here's another question you got to ask yourself. Have you made the commitment to save the minimum 10% we've been talking about? Look at your neighbor. Say, neighbor, neighbor. You, you are worth, are worth 10%. 10%. You, you are worth, not the church. Yes, the church is worth, but I'm talking about you right now. You are worth you saving money for. Yes. You are worth it. You are worth having something in reserve. 
You are, you are worth not being one blown tire away from bankruptcy. Amen. Amen. Listen, your refrigerator going out should not cause you to not eat for a month. You ought to be able to, you ought to have, sa- you ought to have savings and you ought to have an emergency fund. They're, they're two different things. How many of you pay for insurance? And I hope you pay for insurance. All right, all right. How many of you know that you hope you never have to use that insurance? The, 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 whole, goal, the whole goal is to hope you don't have to use it. If, if you got car insurance and you get into, you, don't want, you ain't looking to get in an accident, but you pay for the insurance, why? Because in case you need it. If an insurance company is worth it, how come you ain't worth it? You ought to be paying yourself an insurance fund. I don't care if it ain't but $10 a month. It ought to be something tangible that you say our family puts this back for us. We decide that we're worth this. Amen? Amen. And if you haven't done it, begin to ask yourself the question, what would I have to do? Because some people say, well, some people say, well I don't have the money to do that. Mm, sometimes you don't have the money to do it. Other times you haven't prioritized to do it. And, and, and those are two different things. You haven't prioritized to do it. Because you could buy you a big old box of Folgers instead of, if you love coffee so much, instead of spending $5 a day at Starbucks. But see, 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 some of y'all so bougie, y'all like, Folgers? <laughs> so you drink your Starbucks, and the moment something happened, now you ain't got nothing. <laughs> Amen? Listen, y'all, listen, you shouldn't stop by Starbucks and spend $5 every time you come to church. They give you free coffee up there. Yep. <laughs> they do, but I see people come in with their five, six dollar latte cream, peppermint spice latte, whatever it is. <laughs> see? Now, I ain't saying you can't spend it. I'm saying if you buy that and you ain't saving, something's wrong. You out of balance. You out of balance, amen? Ask yourself this question. Have you made a commitment to be a giver to the ministry you say you so love? <laughs> Come on now. I mean, let's just, t- let's just talk about it. Are, are you as committed? You say the ministry changed your life. You say that you love it. You say you want to see it grow. What are you giving to it? Your time, your talents, your resources? If you're not giving anything to it, then what you're doing is giving it lip service. Amen. And so you have to ask yourself in 2017, maybe I don't have a lot of money to give, but do I have time to give? What what creative abilities do I have that I could cause the ministry to to, to function at a higher level? Amen? And then you have to ask yourself, has your testimony and your witness at home, at work, and at school increased? You've been coming to church for a year. Can the folk at your job tell? Without you telling them. Right, without, you without you saying, oh, we had a good time at church. Right. <laughs> Passage, whole preach. No, no, no. Can they tell because of when something happens, what comes out of your mouth? Are you speaking faith-filled words at work, or do you sound like all the rest of the negative Nancys on your job? If anybody here named Nancy, I ain't talking about you. <laughs> but what, 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 what's your testimony? What's your testimony at work? Do you come to work and everybody like, oh, is it a good day for, for her, a good day for him? Can we speak today? Can we, can we not speak? Listen, the fact of the matter is there are sometimes we are in bad moods. Amen? 
But you ain't always got to show it to everybody. No, that's just the truth. See, here's how I know that we have great ability to control ourselves. Can I talk about it? You remember being a kid, and no, and don't act like you ain't do. You remember being a kid, and when you was with your friends, you used to cuss. Yeah. Uh, see, y'all gonna act like y'all been saved all y'all lying. Some of y'all did it yesterday. I mean, okay. So, you remember when you was a kid and you was with your friends and you and your friends y'all be cussing? But then you, when you was around your mama, you didn't never cuss. It's like you didn't never cuss around your mom. It's like what happened? Do you have a you have a, you have something you just turn off and off? You have self control. You have self-control. And if you didn't have self-control the first time, if you had the right kind of mama, she gave you a type of control that caused you to have self-control the next time. So it's not that we don't have the ability to, to not show everybody our bad mood. The reality of it is, is that sometimes we get so caught up in self, we ain't trying to think about what we may be displaying to other people. And so in 2017, I think we got to start asking ourselves, do, do I want folk to know how I feel just because of how I show up? The Bible says that we ought to have joy, right? Joy doesn't mean being happy all the time. It means that there's a recognition that it could be worse. When Pastor Sean was talking about being thankful, that's what being thankful is. Being thankful says, listen, I, you know, this is a funny story. I didn't win a lotto last night. Yeah, somebody from Tennessee did. I looked it up online. I looked it up online. But watch this. I didn't win the lottery, but I'm still happy. I still got joy. But had I won, oh, I'd have had some joy too. And y'all probably would have had some joy. <laughs> but what we've got to do is we cannot let life circumstances dictate to us how we, how we behave. And that's the real key. We can't say that, you know, that, that, that uh, 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 you know, if, if I got enough money, I'm happy. But if I don't have enough money, then I'm mad at everybody. We got to learn to walk in the things of God and have the proper attitude toward them. Amen? Amen. Listen, it is God's desire for us as Christians to be continually growing in every area of life. The question is, do you have a vision and a purpose? What I call a compelling why in each of these areas? Or are you simply drifting along, hoping that eventually something productive and fruitful is going to take place? Listen, the question becomes, are you planning for your future or waiting on a miracle? Are you planning for your future or are you just waiting on a miracle? Because understand, God still does miracles. But a believer was never designed to live from miracle to miracle. The Bible actually says that miracles were done to convince unbelievers. That was, that's why Jesus fed all those people. That's the reason why Jesus turned water into wine. Because the people who didn't believe saw it and they marveled and said, Oh my God, I see now. But you all believers. So as a believer, you don't need a miracle to believe that Jesus is real. So you and I are not designed to live from miracle to miracle. You know, people act like planning is bad, right? Sometimes people go, oh, well, you know, listen, my message today, because I took the time to write out my notes and to get my scriptures and to make my points on the side. Listen, it is not any less anointed than if I got up here and winged it. It doesn't make it any less anointed. Now, what it does, it makes it a little more structured. 
Why? Because if the Lord tells me to go in a different direction, I can go in a different direction. But if he don't say nothing else, I know what he said. Now, the problem for a lot of people is they want to go through life winging it. Tell your neighbor, say, there is nothing wrong with planning. God is a planner. Listen, God did not let Jesus show up and die on Calvary and then be like, oh, crap, what am I going to do? He, he didn't do that. The Bible says before the foundation of the world, he had already laid out a path to redeem his children back to him. God is a planner. So if God's a planner, there's nothing wrong with us planning. Listen, there's nothing wrong with having a budget. You just can't let a budget have you. And that's the problem. Sometimes we get so rigid in our budget that God will tell us to do something. We're like, well, that ain't in the budget. Listen, if God said do it, you do it. But I can hear God pretty well after serving him all this time. And what I'm convinced of is God ain't ever told nobody to take their rent money and go buy some new clothes. That just ain't God. If you heard that, that was yourself. God ain't, God ain't never trying to put you in a position to be bad off. So you got to be able to make the distinction between what God said and what you want to do. Because it's a difference. Amen. Tell your neighbor, say, there's nothing wrong with planning. So you can't just be living your life waiting on a miracle. Listen, the Bible says this, Ecclesiastes 5 and 3. It says, for a dream cometh through the multitude of business. It says, and a fool's voice is known by multitude of words. In other words, he said, if you're going to think 2017 is going to be your best year ever, you better get to work. Because if all you do is sit around and talk about how great 2017 is going to be, all you're doing is using your words. You're going to look like a fool at the end of it. Edwin Strickland translation of Ecclesiastes 5 and 3. That's what's going to happen. Because it says a dream. How does a dream come? It doesn't come by sitting around. It comes through activity. It comes through a multitude of business is what one translation says. It comes through activity. So if 2017 is going to be a great year, there's got to be some activity involved. Amen. Amen. Let's look at another scripture. Psalms 84 and 11. Psalms 84 and 11 says this. It says, for the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk upright. When we talk about walking upright, that don't, that's not just talking about not sinning. Walking upright means walking in faith. Faith is about action. The Bible says that without that, that faith without works is what? Dead. So faith is about that activity we were just talking about. You want to tell me you got faith for a better 2017? Show me you opened up a savings account. Amen. You want to show me that 2017 is going to be a better year for you? Show me that you don't not cheat on your taxes in 2017. Show me. If you, sh if, if, you can, if you show action, I can show you where your destination will be. You got to move your feet. You got to do something. Part of walking upright is having a vision and a plan for your life. If you don't have a vision and a plan for your life, the years will run rampant past you. They will just run by. You know, people say it every year. Man, 2016 went by fast. Actually, it went by at the same rate of speed that 2015 did, and 1938 did, and 1876 did. Time has not sped up. 
<laughs> the, the problem is, is that you weren't active in that year. <laughs> and because you weren't active in that year, it seemed like it went by. Yeah, but you, you, you start talking to people who've been active in 2016, they're like, man, this has been a grinding year. Man, I've been working. I've been, I mean, they can tell you everything that they did. But if you've just been chilling, you you thinking last week was just St. Patrick's Day. You back in March, amen? So you got to make sure that you're not living your life and just letting the time get away from you. Do you know the most precious commodity you have is time? People think that it's money, but the one thing, you, you can always get more money. You know what you cannot get back? You cannot get your time back. You, 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 you cannot get your time back. Time is never coming back. It's the reason I get so aggravated when people waste mine. Amen. It, 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 no, it's, 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 and to me, it's an integrity issue. And, and we talked about integrity, so let's deal with integrity for a moment. If I tell you that I'm coming to pick you up at 10 o'clock and I show up at 10.15, I have disrespected 15 minutes of your, li- 15 minutes of your life. Because if I tell you I'm coming by at 10.15 instead of 10 o'clock, then you had that 15 minutes to be as productive as you wanted to be with it. I didn't steal it from you. So when you're supposed to be at work at 8 o'clock, you don't show up to 8.10 or 8.09 because you're not late to 10 minutes after. You're still in time. Oh, see? See? You're still in time. I live by the motto, to be early is to be on time. To be on time is to be late, and to be late is unacceptable. And, and, and if you live by that, then you don't find yourself wasting your time or other people's time. Because if you don't care about other people's time, you won't care about your time. And so what will happen is you'll find yourself procrastinating. And you're supposed to be doing something to make you some money, but yet you laid up in the bed still. Because you say you're going to do it in 30 minutes. I never understood why people set an alarm for 6 o'clock when you know you ain't getting up to 6.45. Set it for 6.45 and get up. No, no. Think, now think about this. Stay with me. Stay with me. Stay with me. If you set your alarm for 6 o'clock but you know you ain't getting up at 6.45, well, you ain't even getting good sleep them last 45 minutes. Every 10 minutes, you... Uh, 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 uh. to set your alarm for when you're going to get up. That way you get all of your 45 minutes. <laughs> Amen? Amen. Listen, <laughs> you got to get to the place where walking upright means doing what's going to put you in position to succeed. Amen? Let's look at this next scripture, Proverbs 29 and 18. This is the one Pastor Sean was talking about earlier. It says, where there is no vision or where there is no revelation, it says the people cast off what? Restraint. It says, but happy is he who what? Keeps the law. Now, he's talking about the law because this is an Old Testament thing, but you can say that happy is he who does what's necessary to reach his goals. It says, where there is no vision, where, 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 where you have no thought for your life, where you have no thought for the intended outcome, it says people just throw off restraint. That's what you take people who have been eating healthy all year long, and then Thanksgiving comes around. Thanksgiving doesn't make you overeat. No, 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 no. Thanksgiving don't jump off that calendar and come over there and shove food down your throat. Thanksgiving doesn't do that. What happens is you say, oh, here's an opportunity for me to lose sight of the vision. 
Here's an opportunity that I can cast off restraint. I can forget about my goals and my visions. I can eat whatever I want to. Now, 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 that may happen with Thanksgiving, but that's what happened when dealers have that sale, too. You don't need nothing new from dealers. You don't. You got everything you need. If you didn't get a bottle earlier. But they got a sale. It's an opportunity for me to cast off restraint. I ain't been spinning, so now I'm finna spin. They got quiet in here, too. Chris says she just needs some shoes. Okay. <laughs> oh, some sheets. Okay. Whatever you need. My point is, you got to get to the place where you can recognize what you do. And, if, and, I, and I have to say it like this, so y'all excuse me. If you can own your crap, you can be successful. That's right. But you got to be able to own it. But you, you can't be like, well, I had to go spend it because if I didn't, uh, I, I, then they, all the sheets was going to be gone. So? Every day they make sheets. Here's the thing. If you can own it, you can say, you know what? I'm about to cast off restraint for this 24 hours. I'm going to own casting off this restraint, and I'm going to deal with the consequences of this casting off this restraint. But the Bible says where there is no vision, you're going to cast off that restraint, and you're going to end up perishing. So even if you got off for Thanksgiving, even if you got off for Christmas, even if you got off for birthdays, don't stay off. Don't stay off. And that's really what we're all about. As Fellowship of Champions, one of the things we talk about all the time is we're not trying to be perfect. We just want to be consistent. And if we mess up, we don't want to stay in the mess up. We want to get up and still be consistent. Amen? Let's look. I think there's one more scripture after this one. I think it's uh, Proverbs. It's Habakkuk. Let's look at Habakkuk 2. Habakkuk 2, 2 and 3. It says, write the vision. Write the vision. Write the vision. Write the vision. If you don't have it written down, it's really not a plan. It's a thought. It's a thought. He says, write the vision. He says, and make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end, it shall what? Speak. It says, and it shall not what? Lie. Though it tarry or though it takes some time to come, what does he say? Wait for it. Why? Because it will surely what? Come to pass. That's the reason I don't get frustrated. I was talking to Jimmy one day, and, 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 and I'm the kind of person, I like for stuff to happen fast. Once I, get to, once I decide I want something to happen, I want it to happen fast. So, so when, we, when we launched the church at Easter, well, in July, I wanted to build it. But I realized that even though I might could have went out and got a building, what it would not have done was allowed us to build a solid foundation that we're doing right now. So, so I just have to write the vision down of what I want, and I have to keep looking at it. I have to keep looking at it. I was talking to Rich not too long ago, and we were talking about, he had drew up some plans for, 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 the, for, for what I would like for the church to look like. And I told him, I said, I put it, I changed the date in my email so that it's the very last thing in my email. So anytime I want to look at it, I just scroll to the bottom and click on it. Because you got to keep things before your eyes. If you don't keep it before your eyes, you lose the vision of it. And the Bible says that we got to write the vision down. It says because even though it may take some time to come, don't trip. It's coming. 
And it's not going to lie. When it show up, it's going to be exactly what you believed for. He said, and then he says, it will surely come to pass. It will not tarry. Amen. So I want you to understand that as you're getting ready to plan for 2017, don't worry about what happened or what didn't happen in 2016. Write that vision down. Amen. Amen. Listen, if you're going to go into 2017, you must have a vision and goals in these areas. Number one, what are you going to do with your relationship with Christ? You got to have a vision for how you're going to increase that relationship. The depth, the depth of that relationship. You know, some people know God like, like there's some people you know, and when you see them, you just nod, you be like, what's up? What's up? And then there's some people you see, and you know, you may shake their hand when you see them. Oh, hey, how you doing? There's other people you may actually see, and you shake their hand, but you kind of bring them in, like, what's up, man, how you doing? There's other people you may see, you may give them actually a big old hug, right? All of those are varying forms of relationships. You got to ask yourself, are you just giving God a what up? Are you just, what's up, God? Are you only talking to God when you need something? Do you spend any time just telling him thank you? Do you ever come not wanting something? You know, don't nobody, there's nothing worse than to get a phone call and the number pop up in your phone and you know the only reason that they call because they want something. Hey, how you doing? I'm do, and this, this how you go, fine. Cause you, cause you're waiting. Fine. Yeah, you busy? No. Oh, all right. Well, I just called to see what you're up to. Okay. Hey, can I ask you something? Here it is. There it is. There it is. Don't be the person who only calls God when you want something. That's right. That's right. Don't let your heavenly cell phone ring and he'd be like, "This is him again." Now, God would never do that. But don't be that kind of person. Don't be that kind of person. You got to ask God. You got you to have a goal for your marriage. Tell you, say this. If you're married, say this. Say, my marriage, my marriage needs, a vision needs a vision and a plan. And a plan. It does. It does. Marriage is for grown folk. It takes a lot of work. Even in the best of situations, it takes a lot of work. Why? Because they are living with you. <laughs> However you want to say it, because they are living with you. That's what makes it difficult. <laughs> if you weren't involved, it wouldn't be so difficult. But because you involved, it's hard. Then you got to have a plan for your family life. Amen? Now, I, somebody says, well, why do you say it like that? Because marriage and family is not the same thing. You got to take care of your marriage before you can ever begin to take care of the family. Most people try to take care of the family, and that's why the marriage falls apart. But God didn't establish family first. God established husband and wife first. That's who he put in the king. That's who, that's who he put in the garden. He didn't pull no kids out of Adam. He took woman out of man and put them together. And, 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 that's, and that's important because... You know, Pastor Sean makes fun of me all the time because she knows at the end of the day, it's the truth. My kids, unless they do something, unless, unless they, you know, showing a lack of integrity or something like that, or, they, or they're being lazy, those are things that I, that I can't stand. But other than that, they can get pretty much anything they want from me. They can get anything they want. I, I, you know, I, I put my oldest daughter, I tell story, I put my oldest daughter on a spending contract. I did. I, I, it, was a, it, was a, it, was a, it was a legal document I made her sign. Because she was getting all my money. I, I, and the only way to stop it was to put a legal contract in place. 
But that contract don't mean nothing <laughs> when she called me on the phone. It don't mean nothing if she called me on the phone and tell me she needs something. It, that contract don't mean nothing except that I'm going to fuss a little bit more before I say yeah. But that's the reason that our relationship has to be solid because she could see that as me preferring my daughter over her. And while that may sound silly to you, it happens in a lot of relationships. A lot of relationships. So you got, <laughs> I see folk rubbing on their spouses. <laughs> Y'all are hilarious. Listen, but you got to take care of the marriage because at some point those babies are going to be grown and they're going to be gone and it's going to be the two of y'all and you don't want to be sitting there miserable at dinner grunting at each other the whole time. So you got to have a plan for your relationship, how, your depth of your relationship with Jesus. Got to have a plan for your marriage. Got to have a plan for your family. You got to have a plan for your church life. Yes. You got to make a commitment. You know, I ain't going to be a, a once a month saint. <laughs> I'm going to actually get up and go to church. Amen. Nothing wrong with taking a vacation. Nothing wrong with being out of town. But, but you ought not just be laying at home on Sunday. Get up and come to church. Amen. Get, the Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves. In other words, get up and go to church. Amen. You get strength. You, you, you don't know. Sometimes you come into church, ain't even about you. It's about the person you're going to hug when you get there. It's about the handshake. It's about the word that God will give you to say to somebody. I'm not anti-online church, but you ought not be laying at home in Bentonville watching us on church. That's right. 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 I, I'm, I'm not anti the people on the East Coast who love watching. That's wonderful. I hope y'all watching right now. But if you in Northwest Arkansas and you at home and you watching it, shame on you. Shame on you. And there's not something physically wrong with you. Get up and come to church. We need community. Yes. People need community. Here's what happens when you don't have community. You get in a situation and now you upset because didn't nobody know you was in a situation. But well, we didn't know you was in a situation because we ain't seen you for four weeks. You you you're getting beat up and, and we don't we don't know nothing about you because you because when you come, you come late, and then when you leave, you leave early. Amen. You need to have a plan for what you're gonna do with your gifts and talents. Y'all got, you got gifts and talents that the Lord is waiting to explode upon the earth. What are you going to do with them in 2017? What are you going to do with them? You just going to keep sitting around talking about all the wonderful stuff you can do, but not doing any of it? What are you going to do? Are you going to start the business? Are you going to write the book? Are you going to bake the thing? Are you going to make the thing? What are you going to do? Amen. And then you got to have a plan for your job. You got to have a plan for your job. I believe that if we're supposed to go from glory to glory in every area, it ought to be on your job too. I am a firm believer that promotion ought to come at least once a year. At least. Y'all should say amen to that. At least once a year. You've been working the same job for three years and all you keep getting is a cost of living increase. Uh, you need to press in. You need to press in. Because let me help you. A cost of living increase don't cover your cost of living. It just doesn't. Inflation goes up 6% and you give me a 3% cost of living. I, I am now negative 3%. 
you do a good job on your job, you ought to be compensated. Amen. You do a good job on your job with the Lord, you ought to be well compensated. <laughs> you do a good job on your job with the Lord and you make the business money, you ought to be better compensated. Amen? I'm telling you, whatever you're doing on your, if you, listen, if you got to work, you ought to find a way to become indispensable on your job. You ought to find a way that you work in such a capacity that if they think you're getting ready to leave, they give you money to stay. So that when somebody say, well, hey, uh, I heard you was thinking about leaving. You'd be like, who told you that? Because when they ask me that, here's, here's my standard answer. I got asked that the other day. I said, well, you know, are you going to stay past July? Because <laughs> they know I'll be out. But they, was, they said, are you going to stay past July? I said, well, you know, there's always other opportunities out there, but I'm going to look and see what happens here. In other words, just know that when we have this money discussion, if it don't fit right, there's other people out there who will pay. You don't even have to know that there's other people out there who will pay. You just got to believe it. Amen? Listen, without a vision and a purpose in these areas, you'll cast off all restraint and just be tossed to and fro. You'll be sowing into the wind. You won't be sowing into the ground. You'll be sowing into the wind. What do you see God doing in these areas of your life? You have to ask yourself that question. What kind of plans are you making to experience fulfillment and growth in these areas? The Bible shows us that a righteous man or woman will make plans to grow and mature in Christ in every area of their life. You can't just make plans in one area. Your plans have to be multifaceted. And sometimes people get overwhelmed by that. But understand, what you don't plan for will conquer your life. So I want to talk to you real quick, and I want to give you some principles for making Christ-centered plans. Number one, you've got to have a proper perspective of God's view for your life. You've got to have a proper perspective of God's view for your life. You know, I heard a preacher say this one time, and I thought it was so good. He said, everybody has the capacity to be a millionaire or a billionaire. But what's your purpose in having it? Because if you don't have a God purpose for having it, then you don't need it. So that's the, and I, and I thought that is so good because it is true. Everybody has to put, God is not like, well, I'm only going to let 500 people be billionaires and the rest of y'all can't be. All of you can be, but what is your purpose? What is your purpose? And as a believer, you ought to have a kingdom purpose. Amen? Amen. So number one, you've got to have a, per- a proper perspective of God's view for your life. I'm going to read three scriptures real quick. Romans 14 and 12. You can just write it down. It says, so then each of us shall give an account of himself to God. That's the reason you've got to make sure that your vision and plan comes from God. Because at some point in your life, you're going to have to give an account of that. Yeah. James 4, 13 through 15. James 4, 13 through 15. He says, come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow for what is your life? It is but a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. Now, if you grew up in the house with an older person, you have heard this statement before. You have heard them say, oh, I'm going to see you at church next week. What they say, if the Lord will. 
Why? Because they were acknowledging that my life is not my own. That at any moment I could vanish from here. At any moment I have no, I have no ability to stop myself from, from, from leaving this earth. If it be the Lord's will though, I'll see you next Sunday. Here literally is what he's saying. Have a proper perspective of your life. You're not promised another 15 years. So don't wait and say you're going to do something 15 years from now. If the Lord's giving you a vision, do everything you can right now. Do what you can right now. Amen. Now notice this last scripture after some. Here to Psalms 39 and 4. It says, Lord, make me to know my end. And what is the measure of my days that I may know how frail I am? Indeed, you have made my days as handbreadths, and my age is nothing before you. Certainly, every man at his best state is but a vapor. No, 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 no. Now, here's what he, he, he's literally saying. He's saying two things here when I read this. He's saying, number one, your age doesn't matter. When God gives you a plan or a revelation, that plan of revelation wasn't dictated by your age. Amen. But he's also saying, don't think that you have all this time left to get these things done. He says, because your age means nothing before me. Life for you as a human being really is just a vapor of time. So when the Lord gives you something to do, have a proper perspective of it. Say, OK, here's what I did in 2016. Here's what I want to accomplish in 2017. If I'm going to accomplish this in 2017, what are the things I must do in order to reach that goal? There's nothing wrong with planning. Just be flat. Well, how, how did you used to say it all the time? You had to be co committed to your goals, but flexible in your approach. You got to be committed to your goals, but flexible in your approach. And that's really what we got to learn how to do. Amen. So number two. You got to set your goals for each area of your life. The Bible says in Luke 14, 28 through 30, it says, for which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has sufficient to finish it, lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. You saw that in Northwest Arkansas with the housing bust. Man, people was going into business, building houses left and right. I mean, they was putting up 40, 50, 60 houses at a time, but they didn't count up the cost. What happens if a bubble happens and I can't sell them all? So you had big name builders literally going to the to the banks, turning in 40, 50, 60 keys at a time and their name and their status had been all up here at first, but they didn't count up the cost. And when you don't count up the cost, then you end up looking foolish. Now, that's totally different than moving in faith and doing what God told you to do. Because when God tells you to do it, God is able to establish you. It becomes his responsibility. That's just like right now. Right now, based on credit, we could go get a building. We could. We could go get a nice size building. And we could have a building. And we could be like, yo, we got this building. But if God didn't say it, every month would be a struggle. 
But when God tells you to do something, God allows you to do it, and there is no stress, no strain, or struggle. Or sorrow. Listen, just because you can go get you a new car don't mean you need a new car today. It does not. You got to make sure you do things in God's timing. Listen, there's another verse. I think it's verse 31. Can you go to Luke 14, 31, 31 through 33? It kind of says the same thing, but it says it like this. It says, no man counts, no man goes to war without counting up the cost. No man goes to war and doesn't say, well, do my 10,000 soldiers, do they have the ability to defeat these 30,000 soldiers? He says, watch this, I love this. He says, because if he doesn't, have the ability to do it. It don't mean he just stop and, and, and he just lose. He said he sends us a peace offering. So notice, even in times where you can't do something, God will give you another plan. Come on. Come on. See, when you read that scripture, people get caught up into counting up the cost. But here's, he, he got it. It says, or oh, what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. It says, or else while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for conditions of peace. There are times in your life that you may have a plan to do something and it may not work out. That is not the time to give up on God. Because God, let me say it like this, always has a ram in the bush. He always has another plan. You don't have to have a plan B. Your plan should be trusting God. But God has a multiplicity of plans. So we got to make sure we're setting our goals in every era. We got to make sure that we're setting goals and that we're prioritizing. Amen. Number three, we got to prioritize the areas that need most attention. The Stricklands may have to prioritize in one area where the Valley's got to prioritize in another. The Smiths and the Bees may have to prioritize in another area. But, but just because somebody prioritizing differently doesn't mean they're wrong. Right. 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 Now, I'm going to tell you right now, if your marriage is in trouble, that's your priority. That's your priority. Don't try to get, because I, I can't tell you the number of people we have met who, I mean, they sick, filthy rich. They got money galore, but they ain't happy. Their kids are stressed out. They keep having to give their kids things so their kids can be oblivious to the dysfunction in the household. If you don't fix your relationship, you cannot be effective in church. You can't be effective at your job. You won't be effective with your kids. And I don't care how much money you got. Eventually, you're going to end up getting sick from the stress and the worry. So you got to prioritize. You got people ask me all the time and I say this and I wrote it. I specifically wrote it down because I wanted to make sure I was going to say it. in my life. Here's my priority. God first. My marriage is second. My family, my immediate family and those who I consider my spiritual sons and daughters. That's third. Fourth is my friends. The people who I know are my ride or die folk. I may not necessarily be in a, in a spiritual relationship with them, but I can count on them. And then, and then it's my church, the people who, who are here. Because while I love y'all, I'm not oblivious to the fact that you can leave. Amen. Amen. So if you happen to be in this church and in one of them higher groups, then praise the Lord. Amen. And then it's my job. Why is my job important? My job is the method in which I take care of my family. 
But I prioritize those areas. And if my job asks me to put my job first, long term, before any of those others, bye bye job. Now, 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 some people don't do that. Right. They, they'll, they'll, they'll stick to a job. It's making them sick. It's affecting their family. It's affecting their church time. It's affecting their relationship. They, they all stressed and strained. They ain't having relations no more with their spouse. Listen, ain't no job worth hey. that. That's no. no, I'm not going to let no job stress me. Why I got to be taking medication? Why I can't perform? No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Now, 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 people laugh, but those are serious issues. These are the things that people inbox me about. These are the things that people inbox me about. And the reality of it is if you don't prioritize your life, your life will go downhill. So number three, you got to prioritize those areas that need most attention. If y'all love each other, y'all have a great time, but y'all can't pay attention because you're so broke, fix your finances. You got to fix that area. It's great to be in love, but don't nobody want to be in love in the dark because you got to be. Okay? <laughs> it's great to have a lights off and have a romantic night, but not if you got to be. Because the sun went down at 530. <laughs> Amen? You got to fix it. Take it. Look at your neighbor. Say, neighbor, you got to fix it. Amen. I'm almost done. <laughs> I'm almost done. Number four. <laughs> what were we, number four? Yes, number four. You got to develop, now listen to this. You got to develop an overcoming mentality against the failure syndrome. Wow. You got to develop an overcoming mentality against the failure syndrome. Ever since the fall of Adam and Eve, it has been the, the devil's job to convince us that we fail. That, 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 that he, has been, he has done it since that day. He is trying to convince us that we are failures. And if he can convince you that you are a failure, it has everything to do with changing your mentality and your disposition. Now look at this. Philippians 3.13. You know this scripture. It says, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. I love this. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Listen, the Apostle Paul believed this so much that there's a scripture in the Bible where they accuse him of murdering people. And he said, I don't even know who you're talking about. No, no, literally, I, I literally. Apostle Paul says, who are, he's like stunned. What are you talking about? Killing people, me? Who? Because he so forgot about what was in his past. He was so focused on the prize. And the problem is people always want to drag your attention back to what was behind you. They always want to drag you back to the mistakes you made. They always want to talk about how, well, remember when you did that? I remember when you were so-and-so. If it's a story, I tell people all the time, if it's a story to be told about me in high school, let me tell it. Right, let me tell it. Don't you tell my story. I, if I ain't tell it, you don't tell it. <laughs> but people love to pull your past because they understand that if they can grab your past and pull it back, that's what your attention is focused on. So in high school, and so I used to run the 400 meters. 
in the 400 meters, when you were running, you really didn't have a lot of time to even look back. So it wasn't a big deal. But in the 800 meters, it afforded you more opportunity. But one of the things that I learned early on is it didn't matter how close someone was to me, I never had to look back because my peripheral view would tell me if they was beside me. If my peripheral view didn't see them, it means I was winning. In life, you ought to not be looking behind. If you can't see it in your peripheral, it ain't for you. Because you got to be focused. <laughs> you got to be focused on what's ahead. So number four, you got to develop an overcoming mentality. Listen, the price of success is perseverance. The price of success is perseverance. How much can you put up with? Because the reality of it is, is that most people can't put up with much. So if you're willing to put up with just a little bit more, you'll come out on top. Our greatest glory lies not in never failing, but in rising up every time we fall. You have to avoid, listen, avoiding failure is not practical, okay? It's just not practical. You're going to, if, if you are a risk taker, you're going to make some mistakes because everybody's going to fall at one point in time. But how you choose to respond to failure will dictate your success. How you choose to respond to it. Pastor Sean and I have tried some stuff in our life and it didn't work out. But watch this, we are no worse off for it. Because we learn what not to do in those situations. We learn some things to do, but more importantly, we learn some things not to do. Let's look at this. Proverbs 24 and 16. It says, for a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again, but the wicked shall fall by calamity. In other words, if you're a righteous man, you may fall down, but the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus will allow you to get up again. It'll allow you to keep going. That's why you can't be afraid to make mistakes. And that's why you can't be afraid to let your kid make mistakes. I know as parents, we want to hold and we want to stop them from making mistakes, but we can't always do that. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, let's finish this. Overcoming the failure syndrome is coming. Overcoming the failure syndrome is coming in fourth place when last year you came in fifth. Last year, I came in fifth place. I worked really hard, and this year, I came in fourth place. I didn't fail. I overcame. The difference between greatness and mediocrity is often how individuals view their mistakes. The difference between greatness and mediocrity is just how you view your mistakes. Listen, I, I, I looked this up last night, and, and I was looking for another point I wanted to make, and I found this. Some of y'all won't know the name, some of you will. Tom Landry, okay? Chuck Noll and Bill Walsh, all three NFL football coaches, right? Listen, together, they accounted for nine Super Bowls between 1974 and 1989. But do you know the other record that they share? They all had the worst record the first year they were head coach. All of them, their first year, lost every game but one. If you had judged them on their first year, those names would not be synonymous with Super Bowl world champions. Don't let people dictate to you who you are based on what happened to you right now. 
just because you don't have it all together this moment don't mean that you won't be a Super Bowl champ next year. Just because you may not have it right now don't mean your name won't go down in the Hall of Fame as the greatest of all time. You just got to make the decision that for 2017, you are going to set some goals, some visions, and some plans, and you are going to act in faith, and you are going to see them come to pass. Amen? Listen, last one, number five, there must be a dependence upon the Holy Spirit. That's pretty simple, ain't it? There must be a dependence upon the Holy Spirit. While you're making your plans, while you're getting your vision, all of that is great, but there must be a dependence. There must be a dependence. You must lean on the Holy Spirit. You must lean on him for wisdom. You must lean on him for guidance, for truth and understanding. You must lean on the Holy Spirit. And you got to you got to let the Holy Spirit trump you when you think you know what to do. Come on. Yeah, man. Let's go. Come on. Because so many times we because we have been afforded an opportunity for education and we've been afforded opportunity of positions in companies and we've gotten a little ahead of ourselves sometimes we feel like we can tell the Holy Spirit what to do rather than the Holy Spirit telling us what to do just write these scriptures down Proverbs 16 and 13 says commit your work your works unto the Lord and your thoughts will be established 16 and 3 I'm sorry Proverbs 16 and 3 commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established decide to make a plan and then listen to God on how to accomplish it Proverbs 16 and 9 it says a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. <laughs> a man's heart. I have a desire to do a thing, but I'm going to take that desire and throw it at the Lord's feet and let him map the path out. In other words, it's, 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 it's like you got a desire to go somewhere, but you don't know how to get there. So you throw it at the GPS and the GPS maps your quickest path. Proverbs 16 and 9. 2 Corinthians 3 and 5. It says, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves. I love this. But our sufficiency is from God. In other words, if God don't help me, I'm going to fail. (laughs) If God don't help me, I'm going to fail. I said last one. I give you this last one. Number six, sorry. Apply diligence with an attitude to win. Apply diligence with an attitude to win. Apply diligence. What does it mean to be diligence? It means that you do it even when you don't want to. Work hard. Work hard. hard. Uh Uh-huh. You want to apply diligence with an attitude to win. You want to apply diligence with an attitude to win. Work hard. I used to tell my fifth graders the only, find, only place you're ever going to find success before work is in a dictionary. Yes. It's the only place you're going to find it. If you don't work, you won't be successful. And you, and, and, and you shouldn't want to be a lazy person. God ain't lazy. The Bible says he rested, but that was after he worked for six days. <laughs> so my prayer for each of you as I conclude is that we would take this opportunity this week in the next four weeks and spend some time diligently planning our successful ventures in 2017.
I believe that the spirit of the Lord is upon each one of you. I believe that the spirit of the Lord is upon your marriage. I believe it's upon your job, on your children, on your finances, on your, on your relationship with Christ. I declare that every area we spoke of on today, God has a plan to take you to a higher level. And I decree and I declare that no imp, no devil, no nothing from hell shall come against you to stop you. I declare that you won't come against you to stop you. And that as you grow and your family grows, your testimony is going to grow and other people are going to see the Lord working in your life. And that even through your life, folk are going to be saved. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on and give the Lord some praise.